Conversations with Orbita, a podcast dedicated to helping healthcare and life science organizations reimagine the patient journey with conversational AI. This is where automation meets empathy. Welcome back to Conversations with Orbita. This is Nate Trelor, your host, president and co-founder of Orbita. And today's topic is the role of conversational AI in proactive outreach and remote patient monitoring. RPM, a topic of great interest in this uh, time of the pandemic, which we'll get into. And we'll get into it with our resident expert, Jeff Haggard, who is Orbita's Director of Sales for Healthcare and Strategic Accounts. We're fortunate to have Jeff on this podcast because in addition to his day-to-day role here at Orbita, he also has quite a lot of experience in remote patient monitoring uh, applications and has been in the industry for quite some time. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for having me. Wonderful to have you on the podcast. I, uh, I do want to give you a chance to maybe uh, put a little bit more color to that uh, description of your background than I was able to give. So I want you to introduce <laughs> yourself to the audience. Yeah. Happy to. Um, I, you know, like like many people that I know that found themselves in the in the world of remote patient monitoring. I got in because I had an aging parent and complex comorbidities, as you can imagine, um, heart failure being principal among them. And and I was always two thousand miles away, and he was always de- decompensating every six weeks or so. I'd get that kind of you know, hey, I'm in the ED getting a little IV LASIK, son, but I'm okay kind of phone call. And so that, that's really what drew me into digital health in the first place, um, which, which got me started on the journey, which has led me here to Orbita. And, and uh, so near and dear to my heart in ways in which we can positively impact remote patient monitoring programs and, and the role that conversational AI plays in, in enriching that experience for the patient. Yeah, well, let's, let's frame that because uh, this is conversations with Orbita, but it's also conversations about conversational AI, virtual assistive technologies. And maybe you can, for the audience, connect the dots. What's the, what's the challenge that exists now with RPM that conversational AI has the potential to address? Yeah, really great. Um, when, we, when we think of, of RPM traditionally, and this is really kind of second generation remote patient monitoring, where we have the patient completing daily surveys about their, their medication adherence, their pain management, um, symptoms, those pieces. And those surveys can be pretty intelligent, but, the, but they're essentially a golden path for that patient. They're leading them through something that they're doing. Conversational AI fills a really great gap in allowing that patient to ask questions of their care team or ask questions of um, of a trusted source, um, i.e. a knowledge base of information about their condition. Um, it also allows us to do things that are conversational and automated based on certain triggers of that patient. So um, it may be that we're recording something that happened with that patient that might be an event, but the care team needs additional information from them. And, and so the ability to use um, a, a bot-based virtual assistant with that patient to, to get that information is really, really huge. Yeah. The promise of remote patient monitoring is built around this idea of automation. And one of the phrases we've used on this podcast is automation with empathy. And I think, to me, that's where the dots are connected. Uh, automated solutions for remote patient monitoring have a challenge, which is engagement, keeping patients engaged in the experience so that they're adherent to their treatment, whatever the use case is, demands an experience that will 
fix the issues that have traditionally existed in um, remote patient monitoring applications. I think uh, our assertion, Jeff, is that bots, conversational AI, takes the interaction to a different level and the experience to a different level. And, and uh, maybe you can highlight a, an example or two that would drive that home. Yeah, no, fantastic. Um, you know, a lot of the time that patients become non-adherent, we, we spend a lot of time, the monitoring, clinical monitoring teams spend a lot of time trying to figure out why that patients become non-adherent. And, and so number one, bots can, can play a really great role. We think of the, the ways in which we launch um, cascading conversational campaigns to reach patients who have suddenly stopped doing the thing that we want them to do. And a very a human-like virtual assistant can do that really effectively and efficiently, um, which allows the clinical care teams to continue to practice top of license. And, and frankly, it can do it at all hours of the day when most, you know, most clinical programs, most remote patient monitoring programs um, don't necessarily staff 24-7 to, to do that sort of thing. You used a, an expression, you said conversational communication, or sorry, cascading communication. Maybe you said conversational cascading communication. Holy alliteration, uh, man. Yeah, that deserves uh, some definition. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the ways that that we um, that we do things differently here at Orbita around, um, around our use of virtual assistants is not just to treat them as... Um, as a door through which a patient can choose to walk, but also to treat them as, um, as a way that our, our clinical partners can proactively reach out to patients and, and call them to action. So the ability to launch a, uh, we refer to them as campaigns, but really launch an outreach to the patient, let's say first via, via SMS, via text message that says something like, hey, we've noticed you didn't complete your daily check-in in your program today. We're a little concerned. We just wanted to know why would you would you like to speak with your nurse and be able to bring that patient into a quick conversation with a virtual assistant that helps the care team understand what may be going on and helps that patient become adherent um, and, and step back into the program. Right. And to, to get down to brass tacks here, we're talking about a bot, right? A bot, a chat bot people are familiar with uh, that exists on websites. But the idea here is that same bot, that virtual assistant can be delivered to other means. It can be proactively sent right. by, say, a text message or an email. So how does that work in practice? So if it's a, a text message that's sent, the bot is delivered as a link inside that text message so that the uh, end user can actually engage with it conversationally? Absolutely. Um, so, so it may be that that text message includes a, a brief message to the patient and a link that takes them to the web chat bot. Um, and that, that web chat bot might also be a voice bot in that, in that context as well. It may be that that, that that virtual assistant interaction, the bot interaction actually, actually happens inside of, of a series of text messages. Right, back and forth through the, the actual messaging, got That's it. Right. That's right. And then uh, the, the cascading idea is that if the patient doesn't respond to that, they'll get a phone call yeah. uh, by that same bot, oh, it's just over interactive voice response. And uh, the idea of cascading it across those different channels is that it optimizes engagement rates, right? You reach them yeah. on the device or endpoint that they're most likely responding. Jeff, you mentioned scheduling, mm -hmm. and uh, I, th I think that when it comes to uh, remote patient monitoring, that is, that it may not be something that people think about all the time, but 
part of what we see in remote patient monitoring is, uh, you know, what are the calls to action for somebody who gets to the point where they may need to actually schedule an appointment? And there's a study not long ago of, I think, a little over 500 hospitals across a bunch of different countries uh, where I think it was 60 countries, 28.4 million elective surgeries were either postponed or canceled mm. in a 12-week period. Uh, now, granted, this is during a, a COVID lockdown, but it speaks to some of the challenges that exist in m- making connections between patients and their clinical care team and appointments. And so I'm very interested in how you see this coming together and where ro- what roles bots have in supporting uh, basic scheduling requirements. Yeah, I, th- I think there are two really, really cool areas here. One is um, one is around the RPM program itself, where you know, one of the neat innovations that that came to remote patient monitoring programs within the past several years has been the ability to really do these sort of on-demand video calls, video visits with the nursing care team. Um, that works really great. They quick check-ins with the patient. Patients generally love it. Um, the tough thing is, is it, sometimes patients are requesting those at times when the nursing teams are doing other things or other devo- involved in direct patient care. So the ability to have a patient say, I need to speak to my nurse and have the bot say back, fantastic. Here are three slots in the next couple of hours that might work well with your care mm-hmm. team. Pick one. Yeah. That really helps the care team optimize their, their efficiency and optimize their, their workflow and workload. My second point, which was around the impact to scheduling of, of either in-person clinic visits or, or those type of activities for these patients in times when um, when deferral of visits has, has been sort of at all-time highs. Um, and, I'll, and I'll say this. I mean, generally, RPM programs are not focused on the super stable, well patient. Um, just because of how risk exists in, in, in risk-based or fee-for-value type agreements um, and the types of patients that are being monitored in these programs, these patients typically tend toward fragility. Um, and what that means is that their, their opportunity to get into trouble clinically is heightened between in-person visits. So being able to use virtual assistants to continually engage with those patients within the context of RPM programs, um, moving away from a purely episodic care model is really huge for the outcomes of these patients. So patient misses an appointment or misses a check-in with their clinical care team, the, the bot reaches out to them immediately and says, let me help you reschedule that. Let me find out why we missed it, perhaps, but but let me let me quickly help you reschedule that so we can keep that that continual engagement going, um, and not wait for you to roll into the ED in trouble. Yeah, in this uh, age of the pandemic, scheduling has taken on a whole other meaning, right? We have talked in the past on previous podcasts about vaccine rollout and vaccine response is more than just making sure that a patient has access to automated resources to streamline their uh, appointment scheduling. But sometimes it's just a a matter of confirming whether a patient can and should still be coming in. And in the case of the vaccine rollout, it's are they still eligible to come in? You could speak to uh, the implications of that. Yeah. So, so number one, giving the patient the ability to, to, to reach in and check their own eligibility right? To, to, to use those tools to do that. But the best tools in the world are, are, are not really all worth all that much to the patient if they don't know that they're there. So again, to your point, Nate, being able to, to reach out proactively to patients 
that we know to be eligible, who we know or we suspect have not been vaccinated, and call them to, to action via the scheduling piece of that is really huge. I was at so little personal thing. I was working a volunteer gig at a, at a, a vaccination center a couple of weeks ago and patient after patient after patient just walked in and said, I don't know if I can get the vaccine or not, but I heard you guys were doing this and I don't know how to find out if I'm eligible. And, and my suspicion, at least from, from reading the news and seeing kind of checking the wind that, that that's happening all over the country. So the ability to, to take a health system or, or a network that has knowledge of patients that might be eligible for the vaccine and proactively reach out to them again via campaign to call them into a scheduling module to, to do that is really, really huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's how you find out if you're eligible. Here's what you do. Proactive outreach delivered automated to a, 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 an intuitive, natural conversational experience. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think the other side of that, of course, is, and I had this personal experience, which is uh, trying to schedule an appointment for my father. I think uh, I set up the appointment, and then I believe my sister set up an appointment for him as well. Quite sure that whichever appointment he went to, we didn't cancel the other one. Um, almost can guarantee that. So uh, for a lot of health systems and, and people who are behind the rollout of the vaccine, just knowing that somebody's going to come in for their appointment is a value add, right? And of course, knowing that they're still eligible to receive the vaccine. We kind of worked from the general into the COVID story, but let's go back out more broadly. Hmm. And if we think about other examples, you talked a bit about chronic care. Are there other examples besides chronic condition uh, for rheumatoid patient monitoring where we're seeing uh, use cases here, um, pre-op, post-op scenarios like that? Yeah, so so absolutely, um, being able to do to do pre-op education with the patient, um, reaching out to them again proactively, getting them the information that they need, um, helping the helping the care teams understand if the patient may be experiencing something clinically that may ha- may cause them to scrub the procedure on day of. So patients patients canceling same day of procedure is costly for for health systems, for ambulatory surgical centers, for for a number of different um, type organizations. So being able to understand um, what might be happening in in the days leading up to the procedure is important. The the other is really, again, engaging with that patient, whether it's in tandem with with a um, transitional care management program or or an RPM program post-discharge, helping that patient adhere to, you know, ERAS protocols or, or other protocols of the patient transitioning back to stability and back to home. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the role of a virtual assistant, a conversational AI backed personal virtual assistant can be, can be huge in that again, to drive better adherence, to drive better condition literacy. Um, it may be engaging directly with the patient. It may be engaging with their loved one and caregiver network as well um, to help that patient stabilize. Yeah, what's interesting when you think about um, uh, the virtual assistant, those who have followed Orbita, they know that we've done a fair amount of work in voice-assisted technologies, think the Amazon Alexa type of experience. And one of the things, uh, one of the realities of these smart speaker voice applications is that they listen and they can um, uh, answer questions and they can engage in a conversation, but they don't start the conversation typically. and uh, 
this concept of proactive engagement is something that, at least in the voice community, is of great interest because if you have somebody who is, um, you know, struggling uh, or recovering from a, a, a procedure, maybe a new hip or something, uh, the idea here is that you can have this virtual assistant basically wake up and say, hey, Jeff, good morning. It's 8 a.m. Uh, don't forget it's the second day since your new hip. Make sure you check the wound. Make sure you um, uh, report any excessive pain, uh, that sort of thing. So one of the themes here that we're seeing in, in these conversations is that whether that bot is delivered over an intelligent smart speaker or whether it's delivered as just a traditional text-based bot or an interactive voice bot that comes over the phone, the, the potential and power for it to be both proactive and just reactive is really what connects the dots, if you will, um, in terms of engagement. So yeah, that's um, sort of coming to this conclusion myself as we talk. Um, hey, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, demographics here, because uh, I think you know the, the audience may be thinking about, all right, you know what what are the um, the real benefits for somebody who is already quite facile with uh, digital technologies? And um, I think we would make the case that, and from our own studies, that reaching the needs of an elder population <clears throat> is one of the value propositions. Yeah, I think I think so, absolutely. So, so a couple of things that I would say there. One, being able to take patients that are that are that are certainly learning to engage with technology, and if and if you look at some of the data that's out there, some of the studies that are done by AARP and other organizations around adoption of of digital technology by certain demographics of aging seniors, you'll, you'll see that that there's really strong uptake in, you know, in, in across the board. So smart smartphones, tablet-like devices, um, smart speakers. And so we've, we're focused on leveraging those again to give that patient a, a great experience, whether that's whether that's them interacting with with the bot on a regular basis or doing that on a on an ad hoc type um, type approach as well. So some of the work that we've done around um, seniors and recovery after procedures, um, in particular um, post-op movement exercises that have been prescribed for them, um, utilizing um, smart speaker with, with a video. I think we probably know the, know the brands in, in that space um, are a great example of that. But I think also across the, the continuum, right, the, the patients that, are, that have a chronic disease or have just recently received a diagnosis with a chronic disease and are trying to figure out how to manage that, but are younger, that are still working, for instance, that are, um, that are overseen by an, an employer plan, for instance, that has a vested interest in helping them gain better literacy about their condition and better adherence to, to the, the disease management program in which they find themselves. One of the aspects of these conversational virtual assistants is the ability to ask questions, of course, right, and collect information from the patient. It may also be, like I gave a second ago, this notion of just reminders. But there's also um, uh, literacy. You brought this up a couple times, the, uh, the notion being that um, these virtual assistants can be a source of answers to information about you know, how to adhere to their treatment. Um, what have you seen in terms of how these type of experiences roll out? What are the um, qu you know question answering FAQ type of applications? What are some of the best practices that we've seen uh, in rolling these out, specifically related to making sure that the information is uh, maybe complete and accurate, if you will? 
Yeah, so I so I think it's really important that when when we're building these these conversational knowledge bases, be they around a specific condition or in a more general way, that they are um, the number one, first and foremost, that they're clinically rigorous and and that they're presented to the patient in a way that that patient can understand. Um, mm-hmm. We you know we the classic example is is not talking about diuretic, but talking about water pill instead, right? Or mm-hmm. or um, or ways in which the the patient can digest that information in in ways that that help them really understand what's happening with them. Dialing it back to our to remote patient monitoring for a second, I think this is an area where you know remote patient monitoring has has gone leaps and bounds again in the past several years in delivery of video education, delivery of health mm-hmm. tips, delivery of information to the patients. The the challenge is it's push only. It's unidirectional. And the ability to give the patient or, again, a member of their loved one and caregiver network, giving them the ability to step in and just ask questions of a rich, clinically rigorous, clinically validated knowledge base. You know, my mom has heart failure and she was just recently hospitalized. Should she get the COVID vaccine? Mm -hmm. Or are there any side effects? You know, and one of the things we've learned and we've built these uh, question answering, conversational question answering experiences that uh, maintaining some knowledge of the context of the conversation matters, right? So without getting too deep and technical, um, one idea is that if a patient asks a question about a condition, right? And they may not even ask, uh, might not even highlight the the condition. They might say, um, you know, can I take my medicine uh, with alcohol, <laughs> right? right? And of course, the answer to that is somewhat dependent on uh, the medication, right? And if that's not known, um, then the answer is going to be different than if it, if the details of that patient's uh, medical record and medication are known. And uh, so we've we've had to think about the delivery of content. To your point, it's not just we're pushing a big video or a big chunk of text over. We're, we're engaging in a conversation and the content has to be designed to support that, um, you know, the variability. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I get really excited when we start thinking about the, the, the context of these conversations and the ability to know things about the, the patient or be patient aware in these conversations. So it's not just an, a, it's not just a really well-designed human-like chatbot that's having an interaction with a patient on a set of predetermined pathways. It's a virtual assistant that is conversing with the patient that also is tacked into five different other databases that know things about that patient mm. and help inform the type of, of information that's being presented back up to that patient um, and helps guide that, that conversation. That's where it gets really, that's where it gets really exciting. Yeah, I mean, in the end, what you're, what we seek is an experience that is, that is as close to the patient being able to interact with a human clinician with all the answers as, as possible, or, you know, a care provider that has a complete understanding of that patient's situation, um, and is able to respond accordingly and in context. Hey Jeff, let's um, let's get back to the the core topic, which is remote patient monitoring for a second. Sure. Um, almost by definition, you know, the word monitoring it implies something that isn't necessarily interactive. Uh, do we need to change the 
the uh, uh, the acronym RPM to something else? What, what's the way for us to be describing this new world of not just monitoring, but complete interaction with a patient? You know, um, that's that's a really great point. Right? There, was, there was actually an effort by a couple of companies a few years ago to change the change the acronym to or, or initialism, I guess is correct, to um to RCM, remote remote care management. Um, prob- problem there is that um, that that revenue cycle already owned that that that, mm. that acronym. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's important that a lot of people's concept, a lot of people who aren't active in in, in RPM programs today, kind of there's a concept about about remote monitoring that's you know that patient checks their 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 um, their O2 sats with an oximeter and takes their blood pressure and maybe. Um, checks their their blood glucose and then it automatically goes to a care team and something happens. When when in reality the the modern RPM experience is is more about um, a, a continual engagement with that care team and that's that's where we 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 have continued to talk about kind of the role that the virtual assistant has in this because it's that that continual conversation that is part human part human like part technology driven. Um, that that really has shown to bridge that gap for the patient. So being able to spot minute changes that the patient may not really recognize in themselves and take action on it. So great, great. I'll just talk through a scenario, an example of kind of virtual assistant with 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 RPM. Patients prompted by their by their remote patient monitoring program in the morning to take their their uh, their weight, right? And they do that every mm-hmm. single day. They're typically going to do that in the morning fasting, right? It's important to take it at the same time. Um, and your patient feels like they're doing pretty well, right? They're trying to adhere to their diet plan, all these pieces as well. And and what what the system starts to recognize is that patient's weight is creeping up. And it's gradual. It's let's say it's a you know two or three percent weight gain over three to five days. The the patient may not really recognize that they may not be exhibiting signs of shortness of breath or some of the other things like in a, in a heart failure patient that may go along with that, but the system recognizes it. And in response to that, triggers the virtual assistant to reach out to the patient. And that reach out might be the notification ring on the smart speaker lighting up mm. to let the patient know that they need to check something. And what they get back is, hey, we've noticed that your weight is going up a little bit. Um, can we Can we have a quick conversation about your heart healthy diet and about about your low salt diet, just to make sure that we're on the same page. Right. The end result of that interaction, frankly, might might still be the care team reaching back out to the patient. But again, it reinforces, and that's where I was talking about literacy, right? Reinforces those pieces that the patient's been given, but the patient's given so much. Um, so that's that that's kind of one of the scenarios that we think about. Yeah. Well, even in remote patient monitoring, more traditional views of if an exception or an event or a data point that suggests an intervention is required um, happens, then it's not uncommon for a, an, an alert to be sent to a human caregiver to take action, right? Um, maybe we should talk about the opposite, which is if a patient is interacting with a virtual assistant and they get to a point where they have a need is there a precedence for escalating the virtual assistant to a human assistant? Yeah, it's great, right? And and so, so the capability, the ability to take a patient interacting with, let's say they're interacting with a web chat bot and step that into a live agent chat or a live live mm-hmm. nurse chat in that context, or 
or they're interacting with with a voice virtual assistant and the ability to transition them into a, a call center so that they begin they begin talking or they escalate to a live human being. And then to intelligently take the conversation that's been going on with that patient with a virtual assistant and pass it to that human being so that they're not asking the patient the same 10 questions they just answered. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like we haven't had these kind of ideas in the past, right? You think of traditional IVR systems where you get put into the menu that says, listen carefully because there are options have changed. And at some point you're just saying agent, agent, (laughs) agent, try to get the uh, voice recognizer to send you over to a virtual assistant or to an actual. uh, And you raise a really great, great point there, Nate, right? Today, we don't, we don't wait for the patient to say, I want to talk to an agent or I want to talk to a human or I want to talk to a live Mm -hmm. nurse or whatever they say. We're, we're listening. We're analyzing what's happening in the conversation. We can do things through intelligent escalation. So if the patient says, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and schedule that, that meeting with my nurse as soon as these sharp pains in my chest and shooting pains <laughs> on my left arm go away. Um, yeah. And the, the bot can be smart enough to say, hey, why don't we get you to the top of the queue right now? Mm. Or, right. or why don't you know, or, or why don't we go ahead and notify someone that, that, you know, that you may need to go to the ED, right? That, that sort of thing where we can help with that kind of that intelligent analysis of the conversation. Yeah, and um, maybe we should get ahead of this, but um, I was on a conversation just a couple of days ago where somebody asked the question, are these virtual assistive bots, are they, these AI-powered bots, are they able to diagnose? And uh, mm-hmm. among the different participants on this particular uh, webinar, the, you know, all of us who worked in some capacity or other in this space said, um, even if they were, we're not in a place as a society where the bot's going to diagnose something. Um, so that example you gave isn't really about diagnosis, right? It's just about a judgment of saying, this is beyond me. <laughs> and, uh, not in, and at least being, uh, erring on the side of, uh, caution and saying, uh, I detected something that suggests an escalation would be beneficial. So. I think this is this is where a lot of people I think have questions about uh, the role of AI in these virtual assistive technologies. Is where is the line between when an AI is making a, a medical decision versus an AI just acting as a facilitator? Um, and uh, so I think um, you know I think all of us are being try- trying to be quite careful about uh, recognizing that, particularly when you have something that's often inherently probabilistic is that there are risks and trade-offs, right, with whatever decisions or whatever actions that an AI-powered virtual assistant is going to take on behalf of the client, implicit or explicit, right? Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we talk a lot about the, the role of AI to enhance the, the abilities of the human care team, to extend those, um, but not we're not talking about replacing them. So, Jeff, we talked a lot about... Um, uh, the role of virtual assistive technologies. Um, I asked you the question, is RPM still the right phrase? And uh, no, you didn't completely answer that question. I just want to hold you to that. But uh, I didn't mean to be uh, evasive, no. <laughs> well, I would offer this. Um, you know, we're th- uh, we do talk about virtual healthcare and uh, the virtual healthcare assistant, VHA, 
uh, has started to be used um, in various areas as an acronym to refer to this idea of a, a bot, an AI-powered virtual assistant that can play a role in these kind of uh, remote patient care solutions. So um, we'll see if that sticks uh, or continues to, to um, uh, find its way out there. Uh, but thank you, Jeff. Uh, I wanted to ask you if you had any um, perspectives on where you see uh, the tr more traditional RPM market moving to with the advances of technologies like conversational AI. Well, well, I'll tell you. I mean, it, it's funny we were talking about how to you know how to refer to this and right and the difference in 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 reference. My, my goal, my my vision for this is that it all just becomes care. <laughs> that it becomes that that what we're talking about the the role of RPM, the role of, of virtual assistants and conversational AI in that care of the patient becomes standard of care. So where where I see this going, I, I see this, and, I, and I'm I'm don't please don't take this as one of those people that says look at the silver lining of what happened with COVID. No, that's mm -hmm. that's not it. But but what we hear over and over again when we talk to to large healthcare organizations is that. Um, the type of care we're talking about becoming standard of care has been th that that process has been catalyzed by what's happened in the past 12, 13 months. So that what was on a five year plan became a became a six month plan or became a one year plan. Um, and so what what we're seeing more and more is um, patients are responding really well to this this type of care, that they're that they're becoming more adherent and that organizations are learning how that dialogue works with those patients, um, what works with certain cohorts, what doesn't work with others, whether that be demographic or, or condition-based. I, I think that, that these, these types of technologies, what we're doing with conversational AI being stitched into the standard of care of, of how those patients are engaging with their care team is really important. Um, for for scale, for efficiency with care teams, and 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 not for nothing for for controlling of cost in the delivery of care. Yeah, I uh, like it. It's just care, uh, care that happens to be done uh, with uh, the framework of automation with empathy. Well, I think that's a wrap, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Haggard, uh, thank you for your time. Thanks everybody for listening. Catch you next time on Conversations with Orbita.